1: cryptocurrency three guys faded talking bitcoin no fee that's the free bitcoin podcast insane and adoption is still the only thing 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 that matters main
2: hey everybody welcome to the bitcoin podcast episode 213 i'm your first host marcello
3: and I'm host number two, Dimitri Lamar, and host number three, Dr. Petty, come on down. That's
4: right. Boom, boom, ba-dum, boom, boom, boom. That's the Price is Right. Yep. Yeah. What's up? We're back at you guys for another week of the Bitcoin podcast.
3: What episode is this again? Uh, 213. Two thirteen. Two. Two thirteen. Two one three, baby. What are we talking about today?
2: I know what I want to talk about. Say it. With the alt season, baby.
3: Oh, yeah. Is it,
2: is it alt season? You think so?
4: Yeah, well, if you're holding the correct bags. <laughs> if you're holding the right bags, then it's alt season. Okay, I can dig that. Um,
3: the news, clearly, that's regarding to alt season and the correct bags is that Coinbase has released news that they're going to, they're, they which coins they're looking at, to bring in, to add to Coinbase? It's like, what, six Mm -hmm. of them?
4: It was five of them, I believe. Let's take a gander. I've got it up over here. Cardano, Basic Attention Token, Stellar Lumens, Zcash, and 0x Token.
3: All right, so that's actually, in terms of like technologically speaking, pretty differentiated.
4: Yeah, it is pretty differentiated. And on top of all that, they have the most longevity, I think, of a lot of the altcoins. Um, well,
3: the one that the one that sticks out to me that I don't quite understand. I mean, I, I have some myself. I like the project, but I wouldn't pick it. I wouldn't have picked it Cardano it was Cardano, right? Yeah. I did not see that one coming because of the fact that, like, what does it actually have?
4: Yeah, it doesn't have much, but, and it's it's not even a blockchain, so... Well, they
3: have Isn't a, it, uh, they yeah, have a working
2: mainnet chain. I think that's it.
3: Doesn't seem to be. Oh, a okay, work so that could it. be it right there. Doesn't seem to be a lot of like current usage of it at this point. It's, mm-hmm. it's a bit untested, in my opinion. I and mean, it's got a fantastic team behind it. I like the way that they work and how they do things. I have, I, like I said, I've, I've written a, a blog post about them and I like what they do. But in terms of like how long it's been around, I wouldn't have picked Coinbase to pick it.
2: Well, there's a corporate strategy involved. Okay. What do you think Coinbase's corporate strategy is for implementing those? They hold a shit ton of them. <laughs> you think so? <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: So I think that's lie. any
4: Yeah, I think any that's all they've been adding is stuff that, that Brian Armstrong probably owns a shit ton of.
3: I almost see it as like a hedge.
4: Ethereum classic? Come on.
3: Now, now there's Come on. legal ramifications to all of these, right?
4: Oh, you're talking about the forked tokens or are you talking about well, these on here? Like,
3: they have to pick things that uh, basically won't turn out to be securities. They're not going to pick anything okay. that's going to be a security. And forked tokens are more often than not okay. There's a technological aspect to these things. So like they already did all the front, load, front work for, for implementing Bitcoin Cash which was a foreign mm-hmm. token of Bitcoin, which maybe then gave them some type of, I don't know, feeling about Ethereum Classic because of that. Or, I mean, it's, it's also a project of uh, Charles Hoskinson, which does Cardano. ETC mm-hmm. and Cardano are two uh, things that IOHK worked on tremendously. Maybe there's a connection yeah. there.
2: I heard that Coinbase won't add any tokens that has burning or staking as part of their utility.
3: Well, Cardano is a staked coin. Yeah,
2: it's
3: I think all the coins
4: are going to go to staking when Ethereum, well, I know basic attention will, not Zcash, um, and 0x, 0x and basic attention token could go to staking when Ethereum uh, moves on to like sharding and stuff, no? Is, is Zcash a privacy coin? Yeah.
3: Absolutely. I use, they're okay. the ones that implement zero-knowledge snarks.
4: The thing about Zcash is that a lot of the stuff in the Zcash white paper alluded to it wanting to just be like a Bitcoin sidechain or eventually be absorbed into Bitcoin. So that's why I think Zcash is interesting that it stood out like by itself for so long. And I really worry about the future of Zcash because snore signatures have been like submitted. What of that and to I thought Schnorr signatures basically add privacy to Bitcoin or more privacy to Bitcoin.
3: More privacy, but in a very different way. It's not a zero knowledge proof. It's it's just obfuscating uh, what it does. What a snore signature does, it aggregates a bunch of signatures into a single signature hash, which mm-hmm. which increases the efficiency of how much you can store inside of a, a block. And it, it also it kind of further obfuscates all of the inputs of that you're that you're aggregating to send. So like so, it's zero, very akin
4: to ring signatures, which is like a bunch of closer, signatures.
3: It's closer to that, but with ring signatures, some of them can be fake. Schnorr signatures are just an aggregation scheme, if you will.
4: The schnozberries taste like schnoz. Yeah, yeah, That's like all I see whenever yeah, I see
3: schnorr. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but zero knowledge snarks is is a is a. Privacy, zero knowledge proof, right? It's the whole thing about that is that you don't know any information about the transaction, but you can still verify it. So it's it's mm. it's there for privacy. That's the point of a zero knowledge snark. I can dig it. The privacy that comes with you know whatever whatever privacy that comes with schnorr signatures or is more of like a, a side benefit. But the main point of doing those is for efficiencies purposes, and they can only be implemented on. Bitcoin proper and not Bitcoin cash because of segregated witness, at least at this point, until Bitcoin cash fixes transaction malleability, which I don't know how they're going to do or if they're doing.
2: What well, did you see? Go
4: ahead. Go to
2: You see Kraken firing back saying that they're going to explore the option of adding 1,600 new coins pending the outcome of their review process.
3: Oh, what does that even
2: 1,600? We'll take <laughs> five coins and...
3: Who's reviewing? We'll
2: throw these. that out the window.
3: What is the review process? It's a coin. Check at it. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I actually uh, submitted a coin the other day. D coin. I'm still waiting for my
2: email back. Kraken. Somebody replied back and said, "Well, you could contemplate a working mobile app." <laughs>
4: What's wrong with Coinbase's mobile app? The no, thing we're talking about, Kraken. Kraken. No, oh yeah, they don't have a working mobile app.
3: But uh, Kraken's
4: like, mobile app is garbage.
3: How do y'all feel about the other coins? I know I know Charles is pretty upset that Tron is not there, but we'll, we'll we'll get past that.
2: Yeah, I don't even I don't even own that much Tron, but I do own a lot of Stellar Lumens, so I'm happy about that.
3: Why do you own Stellar Lumens?
2: Uh, because I caught wind that a lot of. Uh, When the gas prices were too high, uh, a lot of companies weren't building on the Ethereum blockchain, and they wanted to build upon the Stellar Lumens blockchain. So I figured I'd buy a couple.
4: Okay. That's money moves, man. That's like Cardi B. You're making money moves. Yeah. There's a little little logic behind some of my my moves sometimes. Cardi B named her child Culture with a K. Yeah. What is that? I'm sad I know that.
3: Cultural with a K. Yeah. Why do oh, you know Ophelia that? Ophelia
4: in the house. Um, yeah. I don't know why. Oh, because Black Twitter has intersected my crypto Twitter. So.
2: Well, did Corey probably true. see Infinity Wars?
3: No. The, the, the version that I saw was too poor, so I didn't watch it.
2: It'll be on
4: video like next week, so
3: you're in luck. I pre
4: ordered it. It's already in my library. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, I'll watch it there. I buy, I buy, Cello's making fun of me because I buy, I pre, I buy pre rights to movies.
2: Well, I don't see the point in pre ordering a digital movie, like it'll sell out or something. Like, you're
4: going to get the first wave of them? Because I'm going to get the very first copy. Yeah. (laughs) That's why. (laughs) That's why I, I do it. All right. Um, um, so the other, uh, other basic tokens. attention token, I am happy about um, for personal reasons as well as I can't wait to use it. Um, I use the Brave browser. Not can't wait. I use it. I have the Brave browser on my phone. I have it on my computer. Um, it's really picking up steam. Like, it. I think it's going to be one of those things. I remember when I was in school and everyone using like internet explorer and that was just what you use because it was the best or and then firefox came and so internet it was like internet explorer in middle school and high school and then like towards the end of high school firefox came and i was like well explorer's trash and then i started using firefox but then when i was in college i remember the first like inklings of google chrome sneaking through and i used google chrome and i was like well this is just eons greater than the other two browsers and now Brave Browser is really starting to compete with Google Chrome for me. So um, this sure. is a really good browser. Um, if you use BAT, you could get some of your resources back from your computer. So I think for
3: BAT could be the legitimate... Um, can you explain that? Can you explain that? You can get some resources back from your computer. Can you... Uh,
4: yeah, okay. So when you're using the internet normally, there's all kinds of scripts going on in the background. There could be... Um, uh, what ads running? Um, there are lots of thing robbing things robbing you of your RAM when you're just surfing the internet regularly. Even if you have ad blockers, the ad blocker just running is sucking up RAM because it's blocking those ads coming through. And what's cool is with the Brave browser, you can actually like you can go in the settings and click and see all the stuff that they're blocking, whether it's malicious script or uh, non-functional script or ads or Malware, like all the stuff that's being blocked. Well, if you are on a website that has registered with Brave, um, you could just pay them a little a tiny amount of bat, and all that stuff goes away. They're not running scripts and they're not sending you ads. So you get your RAM back. So their strategy is really cool. Um, they're going out and getting all these different websites, these popular websites to register with Brave Um And so when you're visiting the sites that you like, you're just constantly paying them very, very small fractions of BAT. So you don't get adware, you don't get malware, you don't get malicious script running in the background. It's all good to go. So I really like BAT. And it has a use case. Um, Now, whether that use case you like or agree with or not, I don't know, it's up to you, but... Cardano, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Uh, Zcash is great. Um, shout out to Elias. He loves Zcash. He's, he's like been, Zcash. He's been on that
3: train for a while. I think Zuko even been him.
4: Super fan. Yeah, he's a Zuko super fan, which is interesting and only possible in the, the year of our Lord, 2018. Um, can we can we say that Bat has gone up
2: 58% in the last 24 hours? That's a that's a celebration.
3: I yeah, bad coins. All those coins have gone up pretty pretty outstandingly yep. in the last twenty four hours. Let me look. I'll look at my my thing here. I'll keep talking while I figure it out.
2: Um Stellar Lumens has gone up quite a bit. So it's good
4: news. Stellar Lumens is just a mouthful. Like either go stellar or either go lumens. Are you stellar or are you illuminating?
3: The platform Which one is it? The platform it? is stellar and the token is lumens because of the unit for measurement of stars is in lumens a lumen star lumens yeah when you measure when you measure the brightness of stars in space you measure it in lumens lumens or oh, man.
4: the more you know i feel like this should go across the screen the more you know i didn't know
3: that it's a it's a it's a measurement of brightness which is why like when you, when oh. you buy like a projector it'll say how many lumens it is so you can see oh. whether or not, you can see whether, like how bright, like you can see whether, how much light you can let into the room and still see your picture for a, for a projector. So like high powered lumens allows you to have a projector in a bright room.
4: I thought stars
2: were measured in star power. They are not. So but the common person probably doesn't know, but Corey's like, <laughs> duh, you measure star brightnesses with that. Like it's pretty, <laughs>
4: it's pretty straightforward. I thought stars were measured in love dust. That's what the uh, Care Bears taught me. I,
2: no, whatever, I was Whatever, uh, Guile and Street Fighter taught you. Like that's how I learned about sonic booms was through
4: Guile because yeah. I'm an well, idiot. Don't sonic booms come from whipping your biceps around
3: real yeah. fast?
4: <laughs> <laughs> that's how I learned about stuff. Yeah.
3: Why is everything? How strong around? do you have? As big as I thought it was going to be. Am might... I? My portfolio is Excel. <laughs> My Excel spreadsheet <laughs> is not updating properly. We need to get into this. Um
4: somebody clowned us in the DMs on Slack for using Excel. He was like, You guys should stop using Excel and start using uh Jupyter.
3: I do use Jupiter. If they listen, if they look at our stats, it says I use Jupyter.
4: Oh. Well, I don't use Jupiter. I use Excel and Google Sheets, and they work well for me. And Google's new uh, stat dashboard program was pretty hating, who is pretty well. Whoever's hating
3: on that should, should shut up because Excel is useful in a lot of scenarios depending on what you're doing. Jupyter yeah. is incredibly useful and in generic but has a, has a more steeper learning curve. I mean, I use Jupyter for yeah. everything, but I also am a, am a data scientist and programmer. So it's more akin to what I like, what I like doing. Uh, Excel is, is, is approachable and useful in a lot of ways. And it's also a lot quicker to get things done and share with other people.
2: I agree. I never heard of it.
3: Jupiter? So you I, never heard Jupiter. of Microsoft Excel?
2: No, Jupiter. Jupiter oh, okay.
3: is a interactive notebook um, that allows you to write Python or other types of programming languages if you put them in. But by default, Python, you can write cells of Python you can interact with and share. And so you have like an interactive notebook of programming, if you will, and then you can send someone that notebook and they can then re-execute re-ex- the things in order to go through the work that you did. So it's it's actually kind of, it's an open source way for scientists to share a lot of the analysis and information that they're doing in, like a, in a way that's easy to move around because most science is propriety and non-standard. So they're trying to standardize that stuff and make it open source and free. It's the free version of what used to be called Mathematica or MATLAB.
4: Oh, God. Give me nightmares of undergrad. I don't ever want to see that shit again.
3: Yeah, I use it all the time. I use it for everything. Like all the all the stats that I do for the podcast is in Jupyter Notebooks. All, everything that I do typically starts in a Jupyter Notebook and then gets moved on to something when it needs to go into production.
4: No doubt, no doubt. Well, I don't think the dude was Hayden. He just slid into the DMs and was like, stop using Excel, start using Jupyter, and then slid out. And I was like, he's what, like a what DMs? software assassin. Slack DMs. To you? Yeah.
3: No, he ain't saying that shit to a, me. Who said that?
4: He's saying it to me because I use Excel when I do stuff and put it on the internet.
3: Yeah, I've tried to get you to use Jupyter multiple times and you keep refusing, so.
4: It's just so clunky.
3: No, it's not. You just Anyway. Bitcoin. It's so
4: clunky. Oh, what's going on, Bitcoin? Uh, I kind of dropped that bomb. The snore signature proposal was submitted by Zabo,
3: I believe. Nick Zabo.
4: Nick Zabo, Um, which was a big deal like we discussed earlier. It adds, you know, some some more privacy to Bitcoin if it is adopted. Um, That is granted. It's just in BIP phase right now. So Bitcoin improvement proposal. For you that don't know what that means, um, there are, what, hundreds of Bitcoin improvement proposals? Um, that's kind of the thing I'd like to like highlight is that people still don't understand just how incredibly early we are. And if you go look at the list of Bitcoin improvement proposals, some of that stuff is very basic, like very basic shit. And it just takes a long time to develop on the protocol level is what I've learned the very, very hard way um for complaining for years and years why things go so slow but um that's why is that we're so early and um but there are a lot of bitcoin improvement proposals it's kind of fun to peruse them uh i where, like that word where peruse. Would someone
3: go to find those
4: i think it's on the wiki the bitcoin wiki
3: yeah it's right also and there's se- there's, There's a
4: section on like, the Bitcoin Wiki and the GitHub as well.
3: Yeah, they're they're officially stored in GitHub, and they so, go through multiple well, phases and tracks so depending on um, the community conversation around what the proposal is. There's a whole standard, standard standardized way of getting improvements um, initiated, conversated, and then voted on, and then implemented, depending on the type of proposal that you're doing. And that's all yeah. laid out on the Bitcoin Wiki slash GitHub.
4: I want to add a BIP that when you, if you send a transaction and it is improperly broadcast, instead of just getting an error code, you get a giant picture of dick butt that shows up on your on your desktop.
3: Mass adoption incoming. <laughs>
4: I always, whenever I get trolled with dick butt, I think it's so funny because it's such the, the goofiest looking fucking thing. Um, now I feel like trolling someone with dick butt. Um, anyway, Ophelia is in the house,
3: which is why it's cello's funny as not I look talking. at Cello,
4: watch Cello look talk to his daughter.
3: Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. Um,
4: we should throw the uh, interview. <laughs> yeah, you need an Uncle Jesse button, bro. Like, it says you're on air outside your door. And then she'd just say, like, yo, when it says on air, you can't open this door. Uncle Jesse, it out, bro. Yeah, that would only be
2: contingent on my kids obeying me. So. <laughs> Olsen twins,
4: bro. If the Olsen twins can do it, you can do it. They understood it. Olsen twins, bro. Yep. And oh. they're, like, bohemian baddie right now. So Sadly, life isn't a TV
2: show, and my kids are bad. That's true. Wop, wop. <laughs> um, Life is not a TV show. It's not. Somebody somebody okay. told me that uh, having a family is like an unfunny episode of Everyone Loves Raymond without the laugh track. <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> accurate. You
4: have a you have a grandpa that just busts in and makes fun of his wife. Yeah. <laughs> that, so your dad just busts in the door to make fun of his wife, and you don't <laughs> laugh. Is that what happens? Yes. Yeah, there's no food, laugh track. Steal some food and walks away. <laughs> that makes me want to add a laugh track to my phone and just keep a Bluetooth radio going. <laughs> just,
3: All right, what's next? You.
4: Uh, the, we should hop into the interview, and then we, we'll talk a little bit. When we get back, I wanted to talk about the possible ramifications or implications of Litecoin out in these streets buying banks. Right. Buying ten percent of a bank, like what the fuck is that? What is that even? That's such a left field move. All right. By the foundation, but anyways, um, fucking, uh, fucking, uh, here's the in- Chello, You want to in, uh introduce?
2: Yeah, this dude's really interesting. Um, because he had like a pretty successful lifestyle design blog, and it went from like zero to four thousand subscribers in a couple months, and then a lot of people were more interested in how he had grown an audience. Than they were in his actual writing, so he started teaching about marketing, and that's kind of how I was introduced to him. But uh, he's associated with the flippening, correct?
4: Yeah, so the flippening is not about the the flippening, uh, so that's what he needed to clarify in the interview the flippening wasn't about like Bitcoin dominance going down so low and, and altcoins taking over, the flippening was actually about going from fiat to crypto and how that. Is going to slowly happen so that's basically what that whole podcast is about it's about outlining the different realities of crypto being uh ubiquitous and you know security token offerings and um you know these utility tokens uh emboldening infrastructure or like just all kinds of you know scenarios that could exist in a in a, in a hyper tokenized world i guess
2: you know, um, he was inspired by Gary V, who we, we've been trying to get on the show too.
4: Everybody's inspired by Gary Vee. I watched one of his videos the other day, and he was basically like, Quit being a bitch. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta take your L's and then get your W's. You know how I got successful? I'm not a bitch, and you're a bitch. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not a bitch anymore. Like, that's pretty much what he says. <laughs> <You should laughs> like, be an inspirational speaker, D. <laughs> yeah, can I pump people up?
3: Just do that. Stop yeah. being
4: a bitch. Yeah, stop! You're look. Look, everything that you do has bitchery. Like I look at you open your car door, just flimsy wrists. You flimsy wristed bitch. Stop being. Stop being.
3: I pay. I pay to watch that. I would pay to watch that. <laughs> just pump people up. Yeah. Throw dry cereal they, in their like, face. Almost like give you some some coke and then watch you go. Try to be. <laughs> try to be an inspirational speaker it would be would be worth would be worth the entrance fee.
4: In the middle of a speech, he axe kicked the table in half. I don't understand it, but I do know it makes me want to take down my to-do list today. <laughs> <So the laughs> All right, let's cut to the interview. All right, so here's Clay Collins. Clay, thank you for introducing us to Great Sound, and we upgraded our stuff due to your inspiration. Um, here it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our interview this week so I'm excited about this interview um, because and you just heard the introduction on the roundtable but I'll give another small introduction um, on how I came across mr. clay Collins um, because is like a shade of narcissism on one of those reddit posts I'm like what's the best crypto podcast in the industry and um, we're never in the top ten but we're okay with that but we are in articles, but not in and not on Reddit. Reddit hates us, and we don't know why. But <laughs> but we go on there, and like three out of the top ten were this podcast called The Flippening, and one Clay. Think that was a great name for your podcast. Uh, thank you. Because the Flippening is like it's, I feel like everyone's on the edge of their seat. They're Like, is it gonna happen? Is it not going to happen? What's going to go on? Um, but then I started listening to the podcast, and it's amazing. And then I found out not only do you run the podcast, you're also the CEO of Nomics, um, and which is also another amazing thing. Um, so besides me saying how amazing you are, I'd like to give you the chance to do that yourself. So, so Clay, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. You guys were one of the first podcasts that i listen to so it's it's uh super cool to 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 be here now it's always odd when that kind of thing happens but uh it's it's great to be here oh my goodness did we did we inspire
4: you to create content i hope we did
0: yeah uh, I've, I've i've been creating content for for a long long time oh. um yeah so um doing webinars and i've done like you know hundreds of webinars um i think i i, I think um just sort of the the DIY culture that you guys are a part of inspired me to to create content, and uh, and and I just thought there was a huge opportunity to create the content that we're you know that we create on the flipping. So um, yeah, uh, so you asked me to to say a little bit about myself. So uh, so I'm the CEO of of Nomics. Um, uh, before starting and I, I can talk about nomics in, in a second, but before starting nomics, I founded a company called lead pages in January of 2013, uh, over the course of, uh, four years grew that to, uh, over 150 people. We raised 38 million in venture capital. Uh, we acquired a marketing automation, uh, platform called, uh, drip, which was our, you know, one, one of the expansion acquisitions we did. And um, and and generally had a great time. That was my first SaaS business and my first startup, really. And uh, I I learned a lot of things about myself and about business. Now, one of the things I learned was that my sweet spot is kind of between that zero to a hundred mark in terms of employees in a company. Past that, I, I think I'm I'm a bit out of my element, and and that's you know when it when it comes time to Uh, to hire a, a, a CEO. So grew that to about 25 million in annual recurring revenue and, uh, went to the board and was like, you know, we, we should hire a a CEO. And, uh, we ended up hiring our COO at the time who was a experienced, uh, tech vet. And, uh, I stayed on the board and, uh, moved to a, a role as a board chairman and our COO became CEO and, um. Uh, at that, it was it was around that time. Uh, actually, it was a few months after that, after after I left, that uh, I decided to start Nomics, and um, and and it's just it's just been a, a really great journey. So what Nomics does is, is it does two things. There's a there's a front end uh, to Nomics, and there's the back end. Uh, the front end of Nomics is uh, a, a price aggregator, so uh, it's a a coin market cap uh, competitor. Um, we think we've got a lot of improvements over what they're doing and what over um, institutional price aggregators like ICE are doing, and um, we're really building a, a, a data platform there. So the, the front end is is uh, it's it's being worked on, but uh, we it's it's screaming fast. Uh, the UI is really great, and um, we're we're really happy with the pace of innovation there, and we think it's it's going to continue to. Um, to improve and at a great clip, so we really um, are enjoying that. And then the backend product is uh, a, a data API for investors. So we noticed that there were just a lot of problems with data in the space. A lot of crypto hedge fund managers and uh, institutional investors were hiring developers to ingest data, exchange data, and, and market and pricing data from exchanges. And what they found, uh, and what and you know what we heard from them was that they they'd hire a developer to to get pricing data, or actually to find opportunities in the data sets. Uh, so to ingest data from exchanges and to find um, opportunities, um, investment opportunities, in in the data sets. And and what they ended up noticing was that the this developer that they had hired would end up having to spend almost all their time um, normalizing the data and maintaining the data rather than uh, finding opportunities. And these were often highly paid engineers so it was it's kind of a, a waste of their time and the reason why there were so many issues with the data sets is that um, a lot of times uh, exchanges would change tickers they would change their uh, data schemas uh, apis would go up and down a lot of these exchange apis are um, undocumented so um, what we uh, have is a a single fire hose through which market data from Multiple exchanges flow, and we not just we don't just report like candle data and uh, interval data, but we we provide uh, individual tick data. So we provide um, every single trade on every single market on every single exchange that we index. And so we've uh, we've indexed uh, multiple billions of trades now, and uh, our data set uh, continues to grow, um, and uh, we're 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 having a great time. Well,
4: congratulations on many fronts, uh, <laughs> firstly for your first successful business, and, and now it looks like you're well on your way to a second. Um, I know because I actually just recently started using Nomics because CoinMarketCap was getting on my nerves, uh, <laughs> so uh, just a little, I guess, personal endorsement, um, but congrats. So so how did you fall into to crypto from where what you were doing and to now, um, was it recent or you know, was it something that was budding for a long time and then you yeah. finally
0: dove in? Yeah. So yeah, great question. Um yeah, you know, I think there's two aspects to this. So the first aspect is that uh, I've been an investor in the space since 2013. It's it's very clear that throughout history there's been digital adoption curves where the technology has shifted usually in a short period of time from you know, sort of the the analog version of something to the digital version of something. You know, when Instagram sold to Facebook, it was worth more, you know, w- much more than Kodak. Um, and uh, there's there's so many different versions of 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 technologies becoming digitized, hopping on the back of the the of of Moore's law and the the exponential growth curve of Moore's law, and um, and and just um, expanding an amazing clip so money is is outdated and um it, it, like the the reason why the show is called flipping is because uh, not because i'm a, a bitcoin maximalist or an ethereum maximalist and i think there's going to be this flipping from bitcoin to ethereum necessarily it's the flipping i'm describing is really um a, a flipping from um you know traditional asset classes to tokenized asset classes and um i i believe it's just um you know, it's pro- we're probably 20 years from that, but uh, I believe that's going to happen. Um, so I so I came into this, you know, as an investor. Um, and then as a product person and someone who, who thinks a lot about data and data platforms, um, I saw a lot of similarities between what was happening in the marketing technology space and the crypto asset space when it comes to data. So in the marketing tech space, um, we we had a scenario where, uh, you know, around two thousand and nine, there were you know um, you know less than hundred marketing technology companies, And almost every year since then, the number of marketing technology companies uh, doubled. And with that came this uh, unbundling of of marketing and customer data. So a company might have, uh, information about webinar registration, uh, webinar registrants, in their webinar webinar system. They might have email data about uh, open rates and um, click-through rates for their emails. They might, you know, they might have that in Mailchimp, and in their CRM, they'll have uh, analytics about uh, sales prospects, and in their SaaS app, they'll have login and product usage data, and all this data is really uh, siloed. And, and it's becoming more siloed over time uh, because people generally uh you know um, people say they want an all-in-one solution but if you know in the marketing tech space if they can just buy one more app that's uh, or if they have the option to buy one more app that's likely to give them an increase in conversion rate of you know two to three to five percent they're likely to do that especially when that app is like me you know 45 bucks to start with or you know 100 bucks a month to start with um and so i i did a lot of thinking in the martech space about how data was becoming more centralized and what the solution might be there and uh, we made an attempt to to fix the problem and it uh, didn't work you know, for a variety of reasons that I won't get to here, but I, I started seeing the same kind of issue happening in the, in the crypto space. So when we first started ingesting data, uh, you know, pricing and trade data and market data from exchanges, um, uh, it was about six exchanges had 80% of the trade volume in the space. Mm-hmm. And now, um, and now it's about, 20 exchanges have about 50 percent of the volume and and i see that trend continuing i, I think we're going to get to a place where um you know potentially a hundred plus exchanges uh, won't even have a fourth of the volume and so um how do you how do you deal with uh wrapping your head around what's happening in the space when it's when it's so decentralized um and when um and and, diffuse? and really at our core as a, as a data platform company, uh, that's the problem that we're trying to solve. Um, we think, we think we have a solution and, um, there's going to be more, more to come on that, but we're, we're really excited about the, the problems in the space and the opportunity to solve them, you know, when we put our, our product hats on. Um, so, so there's, you know, the investor side and there's the, um, you know, how I got into this as an investor and then there's how I got into this as a, as a product person that's been thinking about data platforms for a while. So, um, one, I'm
4: glad that you see that there is so much opportunity in this space still. And uh, I think anyone who isn't living under a rock in this space realizes that, you know, there's still plenty of opportunity uh, and things to improve upon. So, one, thank you for that. And then, I guess, two, to speak to, you know, you being an investor in this space, I want to know, like, we're we're currently in a bear market. That's how I define (laughs) it. But I'm no, like... Yeah, I don't wear fancy three-piece suits, and uh, and watch uh, CNBC from 6 a.m. Sure. to 6 p.m. But um, to me, it's very obvious. Like we came off of this great high last year, and uh, we just having we keep having lower highs and lower lows. That tells me, yeah, we're in a bear market. So you gotta you know assess that strategy. I wonder, like, how many bear markets. Have you seen um, in crypto? So you, you said 2013. So that's what well, you probably yeah. seen.
0: Yeah, years. I mean, I I think that was that, that was the the biggest one of note prior to the one we're currently currently experiencing. Um, so yeah, th- that that I, I did I did survive that, and uh, frankly, I just I just don't think it was that big of a deal. You know, every time every time the price dipped, I bought more, and I think the current bear market that we're experiencing could go. F- it could, it, this could last for a long time. Like at the end of 2013, Bitcoin spiked to around a thousand dollars, and it took all it took it took from the beginning of 2014 to uh, around January of 2017 for the price to recover. So we're talking about all of 2014. All of 2015, all of 2016. Um, and then uh, so, so, so at least three years. And I think really right now it could, it could take uh, up until, you know, maybe 2021 20, until we start seeing the the kind of prices that we saw. Finally. Uh, it, sorry. <laughs> I
4: finally have someone who agreed on the exact same year as I did.
0: <laughs> but, oh, interesting. Oh, <laughs> keep going. yeah. yeah no, I have uh, rationale it's, it's,
4: behind that, but keep going.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's super interesting. So I mean I, I think a lot of people forget um that the the price of Bitcoin around January first of twenty seventeen was about nine hundred and fifty bucks. It was it was under a thousand dollars. And um and, and then we experienced, you know, a, a 14x increase uh in in the price uh that year. I mean it well over that, but you know, by the end of the year it was up over uh it was up over 14x. And uh, that's just, that's just insane. So like, as someone who's been in the space for a while, um, you know, I I look at the price and say, well, uh, I'm up over 100% from where I was last time this year. So um, yeah, Bitcoin right now today is 132% uh, up over where we were this, the, you know, last year. And with any other asset class, people would be thrilled with those types of returns. And, um, you know, but you know but but people hate volatility I, I i really think that the average person would rather have less volatility and less gains than more volatility and and more more gains because it just uh you know it just screws with them psychologically
4: absolutely um you're absolutely right um just speaking personally like i have family members that uh were fortunate enough to listen to me way back in 2012 2013 and you know i get texts on a weekly basis Know, what's happening what's happening and it's like yeah. don't worry about it. you weren't worried about it before <laughs> don't worry about it now uh yeah. you know it was it was money that we both and everyone decided that this is this is like it was this was like fun money yeah. and this and I outlined like these extreme this extreme volatility is going to happen yeah. and um the the rationale came to why twenty twenty one is just because each after each one of these price spikes the time to recover gets longer it gets a little bit longer yep. and i've looked at that over the years you know first it went from like what $5 to $36 and then it dropped down and 36 to 200 or something in there and it dropped down and each time it goes through those those times where it's down a bear market it takes a little bit longer so the last one was 2014 yep. it took 3 years well i mean i hate you know 2021 is like i think thinking in in the best case scenario at at this point i i even think maybe 2022 somewhere in there but but then then it could like
0: 15x then it could 20x then you know what i mean like we could we could see this all over again i mean like this you know it's like it takes longer to recover but then the spikes seem to be uh greater and like yeah you're right this has been happening since the dawn of 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 Bitcoin, like this is just what Bitcoin does, you know what I mean?
4: Yeah, and it's 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 one, you know, I don't mean to, um, I guess, um, trounce on the emotions for people who did get in when it was really, really high, but that's happened. I mean, the two of us in this conversation right now are two people that probably got in when the price was a little bit higher, um, and you just kind of the, – the tech – is only getting better. So, yeah. I just, just dealing deal with the emotions is tough. I will say that. But if you can invest in something and, and kind of wait and be patient to see the rewards of your investment and you understand the fundamentals of it, I wouldn't sweat it. So, yeah. that's just talking to the audience. But, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, like in my mind this is a binary bet on the crypto asset class replacing fiat over time. So like um you know, I guess I I I feel bad when I I start making losses um against Bitcoin like when I trade, I trade to accumulate Bitcoin. <laughs> so I care a lot more about how many Bitcoin I have than, you know, the, the dollar equivalent of that Bitcoin, uh, yeah. because I already, you know, like at the, at the peak of 2017, you know, I, I got out, uh, you know, uh, a few multiples of, of what I originally invested. And, uh, so like, I'm just playing with house money and, uh, y- you know, I, 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 I know not everyone's there and it's a pretty privileged, uh, position to be in, but, but I, I, I do think it's worth, um, you know, buying a certain amount of bitcoin, you know, figure out what percentage of your total portfolio uh buying it, and then like just forgetting you ever have it. <laughs> Don't forget your private keys
4: <laughs> there you go that's that's another thing. Get yourself a hardware wallet and learn yep. how, how learn how it works yeah um indeed, so I guess the second part of that question um since you and I are both privy to this i guess uh amplitude of bear market. Would you say this one is unique, uniquely different than 2014 or identical?
0: Um, you know, I, I think the factors that, you know, I think every bear market has the same price characteristics so far in Bitcoin and like just very similar price characteristics, um, but has different causes. Um, mm-hmm. I can speculate about what what the causes are Um but uh, um, you know, so can a lot of other people. So I, I'm I'm likely, you know, just this theory likely holds as much water as the as the next person's. But um, I was reading a report like at the beginning of this year. And it was talking about how net fiat inflows to the crypto asset class was only about three billion. <laughs> hmm. So you've got, um, you know. It might be that the spot price of Bitcoin times the number of tokens in circulation puts the market cap at uh, let's see what is it today at at, uh, like a hundred billion, right? But you know, fiat inflows you know might might just be two to two to three billion in this space. It's probably more now since I since I read that article. Um, And so I think what was happening is, or what has happened is, uh, institutional money hasn't really come in yet. It, it absolutely will, but hasn't. It hasn't come in yet in a big way, and so you have a, a lot of people who bought a few thousand dollars in, in Bitcoin back in the day uh, became millionaires, and uh, it's just absolutely stupid for them to not take a good chunk of money, you know, life changing money uh, off off the table, and so I think I think uh, you know I think we might be in, in a place now where. Uh, you know, net fiat inflows um, are are actually uh, potentially approaching zero. I, I, I want to do a little bit more research on that, but but there's just a lot of of uh, uh, Bitcoin being exchanged for uh, you know for for uh, you know back back to fiat and, and people cashing mm-hmm. out of the system after after the big gains, um, and and then I think a, a lot of value in the system is like you know someone bought. Uh, you know, Bitcoin at like, maybe they bought it 30 bucks and then it went to 20,000 and then they wanted to diversify. So they bought a bunch of ether, you know, at, uh, at, uh, you know, 200 bucks. And then that went to 500 and then they took some of that and, you know, maybe they bought some zero X at uh, 50 cents and then that went to 10 bucks and then they bought some, you know, like during, during the, yeah, during the bull. Yeah. So, so you have like, um, you know, y- you might have like only a couple thousand dollars in fiat value <laughs> uh underlying, you know, what could be millions of dollars in 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 crypto value. And uh so I I I I think that's a problem. And um I, I think the mechanics of how people took money off the table um it, it you know had had an effect on the space. And I and I think what's happening right now is just a lot of Bitcoin is is uh, and other crypto assets are are changing hands, and um, uh, but but I, I really believe this year or the next um, we're going to see an ETF, um, which means that the vanguards of the world can get in, and um, uh, you know, uh, trading trading bots and index funds and and stuff like that.
4: It's very interesting um, you
0: mentioned that I I, yeah. I can't for one I've looked.
4: And looked at some of the past ETFs that have been, you know, given approval, and I cannot see a reason why there isn't a Bitcoin or Ether ETF. Of course, I'm biased, but it just seems like they're saying no for no sake. And there's not, you know, there's there's been plenty more volatile more volatile assets in the past that were granted ETFs. So I hope we see that too. That would be great.
0: Yeah. I mean, so so that's a that's a great point. I, I think um, you know we can learn a lot from history there. So gold has been around since forever, right? Since like the mm-hmm. creation of Earth. Uh, well, I, there's probably someone who can m- make a distinction there, but like gold has so been is around. Like, we just
4: didn't just did discover it yet. <laughs> that's math. But,
0: wanna... Right, right. So so <laughs> gold has been gold. I hear, I hear you. Uh, so gold has been around forever. The first gold ETF. Launched in 2014, right? So it took like decades for a gold ETF to launch. Um, you know, Bitcoin hasn't been around that long in in the scheme yeah, of of I things. Agree. You know, relative to other financial products. So I think it's it's really um, about you know the the SEC getting comfortable with what's going on. Uh, uh, truthfully, I, I think it's it's uh, more people at the SEC. Uh, you know, becoming bag holders, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> being being incentivized, which is just the beauty. It's the beauty of Bitcoin, right, or uh, cryptocurrency in general. But uh, being incentivized, and uh, you know, I, I think is you know, when 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 enough people at the SEC hold Bitcoin, we'll probably have an ETF. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, you yeah. know, we, we, before is so that they can front run, they can front run the market.
4: But. I think it's so funny you say that because people like to think that there's this strict mutual exclusivity between these government uh, departments and, and and people and the departments are emergent property of the people so they're going to do the same things that we do and like i think the perf- there's a perfect example of that most recently not based here in the states but in china like china's releasing these reports and the report that they released last week or this week was like the very best blockchain uh, the very best digital asset <laughs> yes. is, is is EOS and Bitcoin seventeen, and we we're like, what? <laughs> like, like, do yeah. you even? Are you watching what's happening? Um, how much? Then,
0: how much EOS does the Chinese government own? I want to yeah, know that.
4: Like everyone is like, okay, so how big is your bag, China? That's what we want. <laughs> that's what we want to know. So um, it's very interesting you say that. So, um, so I, I guess another question. Um, I, was, I was. I just most recently started your your three part documentary. On tokenization mm-hmm. and um it's a really hard concept um to grasp i think yeah. and and um you know we in the in the crypto community we 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 have a tendency to get stuck in these echo chambers yep. and then realize that no one else is hearing what we say yep. and so what is in in your definition, what is this tokenization of everything movement that people you know started last year, but what does it look like more realistically tokenization of of securities? Of securities? Yes, sorry.
0: yeah, yeah. so um, I'm sorry. Could you repeat the question?
4: so uh, I guess I'll reword the question. is that what would be some of the advantages and disadvantages of tokenization of securities? Um, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people that are going to say, "If it ain't broken, don't fix it." What's wrong right. with securities how they work right now? What's what's wrong with how things how they work right now? Um, yep. So, so what does tokenization offer? Tokenization yeah, of securities yeah. offer?
0: Yeah, I've been I've been spending a lot of time um, working on this this audio documentary about security tokens, and so I've I spent a lot of time thinking about this exact uh, about this uh, exact question. Um, so, I think the first thing for people to understand is that uh, tokenizing security so you know stocks bonds company ownership you know all that stuff uh, you know private company ownership um, it's not about turning ownership of your company into bitcoin right like we're not turning shares in app of of apple into into bitcoin um so it's 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 important to remember first that securities are not digital assets Um, you know, their owners, their ownership stakes in real companies and those real companies are centralized, right? Like Apple is centralized. Disney is centralized. It has a CEO. It has a board. They can make decisions. These aren't just, these aren't decentralized uh, companies. Um, so once you realize that, um, I think it, it really frees you up. Um, I, I think there's too many criticisms of technologies in this space that stop at, the you know the the claim that something isn't centralized. and and I think that's really I think that's really lazy. Like there are some things that are great to, you know, great there are some things that that demand decentralization. There are other things that's like it's stupid to de- decentralize them. so i, I think um I, I think it's important to realize it that, that uh, companies and securities will likely always be um centralized. I think it's also important to note that at the end of the day, um, securities exist within a legal system. Um, you know, if, if you issue tokens that represent fractional ownership in Trump tower and, uh, the Russian mob like steals them from you, the Russian mob can't just show up at Trump tower and be like, all right, we're taking, you know, we're taking this building. Um, <laughs> like that, that would, that would never be allowed to happen. So, um, with security tokens in general, like you have legal recourse that, the. the What's what what the court say? Uh, absolutely applies. So, if it doesn't decentralize things, um, like, and 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 you're dealing with real world assets, which are securities, um, what what are the benefits? And and this gets to your original question. So the the first question, uh, or the the first answer is that it gives uh, increased liquidity and in, in market depth. So you can't right now just take shares of apple and meet someone at a coffee shop and sell them like it's 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 impossible but you should be able to do it it's your property you own it so the the first thing that security tokenization does is it creates uh an open protocol uh for allowing um like greater liquidity options and greater trading options for owners of securities you can swap securities um, uh, at a coffee shop. You can use a decentralized exchange. You can use a security token exchange. You can barter with them, right? Like it it, it really sort of frees up um, trading options. Um, I think that the next thing that it does is it allows companies to understand what's actually happening with their stock. So uh, Apple and, and other public companies have like no idea um how many shareholders they have um uh, you know what wh- where their stock is flowing to you know who the who the whales are in, in general someone mm-hmm. could be accumulating the stock and, and not reporting it to them so um public companies by and large don't have cap table analytics um and and so it it really helps with that uh another um Another thing that's solved for with the tokenization of securities, or at least real-world assets, is it allows for fractional ownership. So there's a, a very limited number of people in the world who have the resources to buy a Vincent Van Gogh uh, piece of artwork, right? But if you can tokenize that asset and create, uh, you know, maybe a a, a thousand tokens, you, you you and and someone can buy a fractional piece of a vincent van gogh painting uh that just creates a a a lot more freedom in it and it creates real markets so at any given time there might be a a piece of artwork that's for sale that let's say it's a 200 million dollar piece of artwork right there's only five people maybe that might be willing to pay that price uh at that time and so it makes price discovery difficult um, and it creates an illiquidity premium because that piece of art is not highly liquid um you you end up having to um, uh, like it. A, a, I'm going to start this over uh, because you know because that um, uh, because that artwork is is highly illiquid. You end up having to pay uh, what's called the uh, illiquidity um, premium mm-hmm. uh, for it. So just you have to pay more to to buy that asset because the um, the price hit you'll take when you try and sell it is baked into the, to the buying price. Um, so it, it, it solves for that. Uh, it reduces settlement times, right? Um, mm-hmm. so right That's now crazy. it takes, yeah, like you can trade very quickly. Um, high frequency, you know, wall street is very, very good at allowing people to trade very frequently, but settlement often takes, um, you know, several days. Uh, so, so it addresses that, um, um, and you know, I think the the main value around uh, secu- you know security tokenization really goes to private companies versus public companies, and um, it it allows uh, private companies to uh, raise funds uh, we agree much again. much easier than they than <laughs> they could.
4: What we agree again. We agree on another thing. I was uh, yeah. going to lead it to that. It 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 really can benefit private companies. Yep.
0: Yeah yeah I mean I, I, yeah that's I mean that's where the transformative benefits are it's it's it it has it has it can save billions of dollars for public companies but the transformative value that you know that sort of the thing that never existed before um like that that really is for for private companies which is the ability to lock up capital but but not your investors and to create markets where people can um you know can can trade tokens that represent your company so uh, let's say you've got a a coffee shop uh opening up down the street i'm sorry i'll start all over again let's say you have a coffee shop a neighborhood beloved neighborhood coffee shop and they're realizing that they can't pay rent and that they're about to be replaced by a starbucks the neighborhood doesn't want that uh you know that that coffee shop can now you know you know, because of security tokenization, uh, that company can now, uh, you know, raise funds, uh, issue uh, a token uh, attached to its security, and now allow people in that neighborhood to, um, you know, to become stakeholders in that coffee shop and to, um, you know, take part in activities that allow, uh, you know, value to accrue to the token. So, uh, it's 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 a really really uh, really big deal. I, I think it's also important to note that, uh, only about a, I believe it's about a third of the world's wealth is in, in cash, uh, or, you know, electronic, you know, whether it's in your bank or, or, you know, paper money, mm-hmm. um, there is far more value, uh, in, in, uh, equity right now. So, um, I, there is a potential that security tokenization could be uh, a much bigger deal than than even Bitcoin, I, I'm not I'm not sure that I'm sold on that, but I do think it's important to, um, uh, to to note that only a third of the of the world's wealth is in is in cash, and that we have a, we have a lot more we have much further to go when it comes to um, transforming the world, uh, you know, with blockchain technology.
4: Oh, very very far. Um, it- it's it's, um, it's amazing just how early things are and um, people I, that's what I've tr- I tried to been I've trying I've been trying to look I'm stumbling over my words too now we're both doing it. I've been trying to uh, qualify my audience for just how early things are in several different ways um, over the past few months. And these things that we speak of are, are, are kind of far off, but they're not unrealistic. And, you know, I love the idea of, you know, I start a business here in Texas, and I securitize it, um, sorry, tokenize that, and then all of a sudden, you know, that, that, that token starts growing in popularity, there's more and more stakeholders holding stake in my little local business here, and then, but just because it's crypto, with the snap of a finger, I could turn on exposure to the world, right. you know, I, I can now have a world of everyone who owns you know crypto can then own stake in my little local company here and then you know possibilities are endless there but
0: yeah absolutely and i want to i want to just just state for the record that i am i am not a security tokens expert and that there's people who have spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff and and that's really what the documentary I'm producing is about. It's not me speaking about this as an expert because I'm I'm clearly not. It's me um, asking questions and uh, assembling viewpoints from people who I respect most uh, on on this topic. So I, I think the um, the guests and the views expressed in the documentary we we put out are are are, are like just at, at a much higher level than <laughs> what you just heard me say, which is uh, the you know the viewpoints of someone who's been working a lot with this kind of content but is still extremely new to, um, to securities. And, and I think, I think this whole topic is, is complicated by the fact that, um, that, that it takes, um, crypto assets and cryptocurrencies, which, um, invoke, uh, economics, um, monetary policy, cryptography, distributed systems, um, you know, game theory, a a whole bunch of things. And and like you have to know a bit about all those things to really truly understand what you know how Bitcoin works, and then you add on to that with security tokens, you add on SEC regulations, uh, equity mechanics, um, uh, you know how how com- how private companies work, how public companies work, um, trade settlements, uh, you know, and and the existing uh financial infrastructure that exists right now, and it's just it's just a lot to wrap your head around so uh what we try and do with this with this audio documentary is is simplify the the complex and uh we i think we do a pretty good job of it i'm 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 happy with how it's turning out i'm not happy with how much effing time it takes me uh to to produce this content but uh hopefully <laughs> but that's someone the will get blessing something gets something out right
4: of it. So it is, is um once the content is created and it's out there it's really good to see the response from from everyone who's enjoying it and it's yeah sparking curiosity in them. And I know it sparked curiosity in me because um, I think I know since about February, like I really did start diving deep into this security tokenization movement that's obviously going to happen. Um, and your documentary has definitely been a catalyst of that for me. So uh, we had Polymath on. It was great. Um, we've had many different... Uh, companies on that are offering security token offerings and it's been great but the the deep dive that you've done
0: is uh is very commendable so well thanks i i I appreciate it i'm sure i'm sure you can sympathize and empathize with (laughs) with with, you know with doing the work i I think it's i think it's really it's it's really fun and enjoyable to exist you know at at the level of 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 content and philosophy and debates and there's a lot of Interesting ideas floating around. Right? I think the the real work that, that's happening is you know, people slogging out in, in the trenches doing jobs that looked a lot like the jobs that they did before there was, you know, before there was crypto. I was talking to someone who worked at Coinbase and he's like, he's like, you know, we're we're excited about the the mission and you know, we're passionate about the change we're creating, but you know, for the most part, this could be any fintech company. Um, you know, we, we have to deal with compliance. There's user accounts. There's authentication, there's HR, there's marketing, there's SEO, there's partnerships, there's biz dev. Like this is a, the, you know, this is like any other business. And and I think, once you get a, a couple levels deep on the space, um, you know, the the sexiness erodes, and and I think that's where the the real champions, or you know, the people who are, uh, who are really making the difference, like that's that's where they they live and operate. And and uh, I'm I'm sure you've seen that. Where, you know, it's it's fun to have these these conversations but when you're when you're editing these these shows and uploading and where's the image and what's the text and how do i just you know it's, it's it could be any other podcast
4: <laughs> yeah but it's it's fun i i kind of like that whole That's adventure awesome. of it all um so i guess let's let's humanize this a little bit what's the coolest sure. shit you've ever
0: purchased with crypto uh, um yeah, that's a really great. Yeah, I wish I could say a Lambo, but that's just not me. I I uh I've driven the same uh, Subaru Impreza with a dent in the side for like ten years now. Oh, um, you practiced the old Bezos and Warren Buffett strategy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd say I, I'd say it's uh it's probably uh, probably my 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 man cave house. So I have a a house that is like a three minute drive from the house that my family lives in oh, and, wow. and, and I, and I work out of here and it's like this four story industrial loft and has like catwalks and it's got a spiral staircase and a, and a roof deck and it's really fun to throw parties here, but mostly I just, I just work here and I, I like working out of spaces that feel a lot like, um, like home. So, it, so it has a kitchen, it has a bedroom, it's got, it's got like bathrooms. It's like, it's like, I'm working out of a, another loft and I've got, you know, my podcast, studio here a video recording studio and um it, it's like it, it's it's cool but it's also just you know when you when you have twin toddlers uh, <laughs> uh you you need you need a place to uh um uh to work from and and then and then when you're home when when I'm home I can be 100% present to them um and, and when I'm working I can be 100% uh, present to that so this this is probably the the coolest thing I bought uh you know with with crypto or at least you know i i, I had a down payment on and was making payments but i, I paid this off with <laughs>
4: congrats with
0: crypto. and congrats Thank on the toddlers
4: you. um i guess speaking for me personally i don't know if it's the coolest thing i've ever bought with crypto it's probably not but the I'm coolest moment seen. i had spending it was um for the longest time um you're probably familiar with the rabbit hole that happens with everyone. Like, you find out about Bitcoin, yeah. and then you really find out about Bitcoin. Yeah. And it's over. Like, for months, yeah. you're just yeah. like reading yeah. and researching all these things that you never thought you would be.
0: Start growing a beard, start yep. smelling. Start growing a beard.
4: You know, family's like, is everything okay? And you're like, you don't know my life. Why don't you back up off? And then you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're. Oh, uh, and for me, it was like that. My family's been extremely patient with me for six years now. Nice. Hell, I even did a PowerPoint presentation for my parents about Bitcoin. Have
0: uh, you been I've in pro- the game for six years? Have you been Have you been doing this for six years?
4: Yes, yeah, it's late twenty twelve, but the podcast was twenty fifteen. The podcast we started at twenty fifteen, and it's funny oh. because it just kind of started because one of the co-hosts is my long, long time life friends, uh, like. I've known him since we were like eight, seven or eight, and he was like, "Man, I'm so tired of hearing about Bitcoin. You want to just like do a show about it?"
0: And yeah, <laughs> so like, that's- and and not talk to me. Can you can you talk to the internet and not me about the yeah. same
4: <laughs> And that's how it all started. I did a PowerPoint presentation for my. This is the this is a, one of the funniest moments we still talk about over like Christmas, and like I showed them like BitcoinWisdom dot com and I pulled in the charts and showed them hash rate and difficulty and like this is why it works it's just math and the first thing my sister in law said she's like well what if a government just bans it and I was like well I mean yeah. they they can do that but it's not going to help them because. They didn't issue it and another country is just gonna start using it. And she was like, I don't know, it seems like a Ponzi scheme. And I was like, Well, I can't talk to you guys about this anymore.
0: Like money's a Ponzi scheme. In <laughs> yeah. General, I was like, Do you even understand
4: a dollar? And they were like, I don't care. I know it gets me a McDouble when I want yeah. one. And so yeah. anyways, uh long story short, the, the the coolest thing I did is like I've been I had been accumulating this Bitcoin all throughout twenty fourteen, uh doubling. What was up the cheapest
0: price you bought at?
4: uh 185 that was the cheapest Uh, i was accumulating all this bitcoin and um we're driving to a wedding my cousin was getting married and my mom just figured out like she uh forgot to book the hotel and i was like what and so we're we're driving from texas to uh texas to missouri And, uh, we didn't book the hotel to stay for the wedding. And this website had just popped up at the time. Um, uh, what's it called? Cheap, dot com, where they were Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's basically like, uh, Expedia, but you can spend crypto. And so we're all, all the families piled into the car and we're driving up there and, um, open up my laptop, and I put a hotspot on my phone and opened up my laptop and paid with Bitcoin for the whole family to stay at this hotel. And my parents and and everybody in the car was like, how'd you do that? And I was like, I just bought all this with Bitcoin. And they were like, you can actually spend that shit? And I was like, yes, it's like I've been telling you this whole time, it's like it's currency, and everyone in this car is now staying at this hotel, and I paid for it with Bitcoin. And I think that's when it kind of clicked with my family too. Because they were like, "Oh, it is a thing. It's not just like this nerd weird thing that you're really into." Uh, and that was That's the awesome. coolest moment. Uh, so I was like, That's man this awesome. feels so futuristic. I got a hot I'm driving, got a hotspot, paying with future money. This is That's uh, awesome, so that was cool. Um, uh,
0: yeah, shit's real like
4: I guess wait, let me see, yeah, we're running a little long, but not too bad. Um, yeah, I guess I'll hit you with. Our our trademark question. I really okay. wanted to know who you look up to in the space, though. But we can save it for another time. Um, okay. What? In in ten words or less, can you describe oh. Bitcoin?
1: Oh.
0: God. Um. I would I, I would I would just call it a uh, um, fractionalized digital gold that's controlled by the people and is deflationary and has a limited supply <laughs> I don't know if that's over 10 but uh, no that's that's not super um, that's not super eloquent but like it's um, it's a big deal it's changed my life um that's uh, 13 I, words I wish, yeah okay all right unfortunately all right. Well, you, you didn't get under 10 yeah uh <laughs> yeah i mean it's I'd, okay. just, I'd say it's, it's a fractionalized digital gold uh with near you know instantaneous uh you know transactions that uh is deflationary i, I think that's awesome
4: all right that's good that's good um yeah. So you want to plug some stuff before we wrap up?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, god. I'm not. I'm not gonna back away from uh, plugging things. So first off, if you're um, uh, if you're interested in learning uh, about the space, um, check out Nomics. It's at nomix.com. and you know we we think we have the the buy, we think we have the best pricing site out there. Um, if you're an institutional investor and are looking for normalized data sets through one screaming fast fire hose with market data uh, for the space check out the nomics API and if you're generally interested in 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 content in the space and, and learning more uh, I have a, a podcast called the Flippening, which seems to be doing um, pretty well we're in the the top 100 in, in business and iTunes we've got uh, 150 reviews so far um, and uh, we we seem to be doing um, pretty well, so I'm 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 really uh, I'm I'm happy with that. So I, I hope you check all that stuff out. Uh, it's all free. Um, like the API is free, Nomics.com is free, the podcast is free. Um, we only charge institutional investors who want um, really specific kinds of data. So check us out. There
4: it is. And that was the interview with Clay Collins. He kind of sounds like he could be a WWE performer. I'm sorry, totally real wrestler. If he uh if if with a name like Clay Collins. I could see him doing some backflip shoulder slams. Well there's with a, a wrestler Seth? already called
2: Seth Rollins. So I don't think he could be Clay Collins. Well, if
4: they got together, they would be the Allens team up. The Rollins Collins. Rollins Collins Smashdown. Uh yeah, I hope you enjoy that interview. Uh he and I
2: got kind of um no, 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 Corey's not here. Let's flesh out that idea, that wrestling idea. So they're a tag team. Oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> they're a tag team called the Rollins-Collins SmackDown, and their their, uh, their special move is a double lariat. Like yeah. So you get the Rollins on the right and the Collins on the left. <laughs> yeah. And then like what's-his-name is like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then <laughs> and then comes the Rollins call and smash down. I like it. Yeah. And when they pin people, they don't just regular pin like lay on. They do like a little football ninja roll and grab the leg and like they're backwards. Oh, Corey's back. Man, sharding. Man, if I for
3: a heart second, y'all are just O-X doing protocols. nothing. Oh, it's protocols. Y'all are we talking, were talking it, nothing.
4: No, we were talking about sharding, Corey. No, you were not.
3: Dog had to go to the bathroom, so I had to let him out. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back on track here.
4: Um, yeah, so that interview was
3: with Clay Collins.
4: Um, please go to his podcast. Uh, hopefully, uh, his time frees up, and we could we could we can get him back on the show uh, in some capacity. It was great. Uh, go check out his documentaries on uh, security tokenization. Um, it's good stuff. I got to talk about like,
2: it. What you got, homie? Uh, I would love to explore the implications of what it means that the Litecoin Foundation now owns 9.9% of a Deutsche Bank.
3: That was D's talking point.
2: That's my talking point. Oh,
3: it was? This is my
4: talking point. Um, I, okay, so let's think about this, right? So. First we started out, and it's like you know, fuck the banks, fuck, fuck the banks, fuck 'em, fuck 'em, and that's pretty much was like the whole crypto community was singing with N.W.A. swagger, and then this weird oxymoronic occurrence happened where like the very first slightly positive inkling of a bank being accepting or or or, or open minded towards cryptocurrency just shot like everybody was warm everywhere, everybody had warm nuts. And then, and I mean like warm nuts, like you could put put peanuts in the oven. It's delicious, by the way. Put a little bit of salt on it. Um, But now it seems like it's going even further to where like we want banks to embrace crypto uh, because we've all been in this long enough to understand like the bank is not going to go away. It exists for a very good reason. There's a very natural emergence in human civilization, right? So, what does it look like when a bank is cohabitating with a, a a a heavily crypto-infused world? And so, then you have this news that comes out of left field, where the Litecoin Foundation, which is a .dot org, by the way, uh, buys ten percent of a Deutsche Bank. Well, you, you know why it's that percentage, right? Nine point nine percent. What what is that? Why? uh they can
2: only hold 9.9%. Uh that's the maximum they can get in Germany before they need regulatory approval. So after they get approved, they're going to acquire a lot more. Why? Exactly.
3: What's like why
4: is the Litecoin Foundation acquiring a bank?
3: Maybe they're trying to find a way to allow that bank or like have sway in the types of decisions that bank makes in terms of their Services to regular folk who are not in the crypto space to the crypto space, and they want that they want their on ramp to be Litecoin,
2: debit card solutions, perhaps,
3: maybe, yeah, maybe it's maybe debit it's a cards. way to just store their money. They could find a way to safely like build up good solid storage solutions because the, I mean, storing crypto is still hard, especially yeah, for the is. average person because they don't think about the implications of owning their own money and the security around that responsibility the way they should because it's different. And so maybe, I don't, I don't know. Like that's, It's a lot of, it's big. Actually, yeah. by happenstance, um, someone that I know um, who lives in Hong Kong was doing a pitch for a company that he owns. And someone came to his pitch to ask him to get in contact with me to work for Deutsche Bank which is a wow. very strange thing.
4: How did he track you down through that?
3: I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's a very weird thing. I know thing. who
4: you're talking about. I'm yeah. not going to name him, yeah. but that's kind of interesting how he tracked you down via looking at your, I need to grow my social network. What the hell? Nobody's tracking me down.
3: <laughs> so I was like, I'm not moving. So, sorry. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's hella... There's a lot of implications from that. I like you. But, what, they're, but they're another this, thing. Right? Deutsche Bank is doing things with crypto. So yeah. This is not a one-sided deal. They're just like, I'm just going to buy the bank. Fuck it. Like, no, this is like a like worked out deal mm-hmm. or something, some kind.
4: And how much swagger does it, does it? It doesn't matter who you are. If you wake up, if you make a deal on Friday and when you wake up on Monday and the new shit that you're telling people you're into is, hey, <laughs> cool story. I, I bought a bank. Part of a it was, bank. What did you? Yeah, what did you guys I mean they're gonna Chello just said once they get approval, they're probably gonna buy more, right? And what is it just you know, I think I think it's I think it's a great sign of things to come. And and like I was I was on my one of my spirit journeys yesterday, which I call a long walk. I called a spirit journey. Is that and I was thinking getting high? Um no, I don't get high. I get high on life, my friend. Was it a a spirit journey? The length that we went on? It was close. It was like 70% the length that we went
3: on. How long was that? Not that How long. far was that? Seven miles. You went on a walk for seven miles? He tricked yeah, man, me.
2: Just... He tricked me into a seven-mile walk.
4: <laughs> I tricked you into a 10-mile walk. <laughs> <laughs> I tricked you into a 10-mile walk, and you look like a prisoner of war at the end of that thing. How boring like... is that? It's not boring at all when you got somebody to walk and talk with. And then when you got cool music, it's even better. How long does that take? Uh, the 10-mile walk takes about three and a half to, t- to four hours. Yeah, he kept don't saying,
2: you oh, it's just right do? around the corner. It's just right around the corner.
3: Yeah. I, four hours. He hours of, I knew he four didn't four know my neighborhood. A walk? On a weekend, you do? No, I don't. Weekends are when I get a lot of other work done.
4: Weekends, you can make the time for a four-hour walk. I'm not doing that. It's good for your skin. Well, D knew I well, wasn't on your skin. It's your... not
3: good for my skin. Being outside for four hours is not good for my skin.
4: Oh, yeah, that's right. It would tear, just destroy <laughs> your skin. Uh, It's good for my skin, and it's good for my blood circulation. Right, so that's good. why anyway, I do it. Anyway, I'm on the walk, and I'm thinking, like, the same thing that's happened in society where, like, technology is getting so far advanced that, like, People aren't willing to learn it, to teach the basics to upcoming generations is also happening in fintech. Right. So like like checks, like when I was in elementary school, we had a class designed one day to go in and like this is how you write a check. And this is what the numbers mean. And this is where you, you put where and you endorse it when you need to. Da 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 I was taught that in school. And like now I'm looking at curriculums when I was when I was teaching, I would look through the curriculum of like elementary school and there is no like this is what a debit card is this is what the numbers on the front mean this is what the number on the back means like there's no outreach when it comes to fintech and fucking everything in general there's just a huge knowledge gaps between everything because technology is moving so fast and people are generally lazy and so now you take that into fintech and it's going to be terrible and then i was thinking like well if i had a kid like, and I wanted to teach him how to write a check. I would sit him down and say, Hey, this is what you do here, this is what you do there. Um, but checks are the way of the dodo bird. In fact, people will get offended when you hand them a check sometimes. I get I get physically
3: for, angry if someone asks me to write a check.
4: Yeah. I will just say, like, what kind of fucking business are you running here? No, okay, I won't get that mad, but I will scrounge up checks somehow, or I just tell my bank to write them a check. But um, so how do you teach kids what all this crypto stuff is? And that goes down to like what you say, Corey, is like people don't need to know, right? Like the famous uh, s- sample that we've used or example is like you go to the gas station. Nobody gives a shit how pay at the pump works. It just does. And it makes everybody's life easier. So when it comes to crypto, what is pay at the pump stuff? And what is, they absolutely need to know these things. And I need to teach my kids about these things.
3: I think there's going to be two different things that like make crypto useful. One is going to be decentralized versions of centralized versions that we already have, which was what most people are working on. I'd say the majority of people who are in this space are working on that, because that's what they already know. And they're trying to introduce decentralization into that thing, which then gives people options on how they want to consume that thing based on whatever they feel is important to them. like if They're like, mm-hmm. I don't like that I have to give up my money to somebody else. I'll use the decentralized version and take responsibility for my own, for my own money. If they don't care, they can use a centralized version. So, on, so like mm-hmm. there's all things in between. And that's kind of hard to do because centralized versions of services tend to offer more convenience, which is what most people care about in the end, kind of depends on what we're talking about right convenience is definitely a large factor at least in in the american world where but then you have services that enable you to do things you couldn't do before because like a lot of centralized services rely on other infrastructure in order to use them like if we think about cell phones in africa like most people didn't have phone services in in some parts of africa because there wasn't It was too expensive to run landlines and telephone poles throughout all that. They couldn't run the infrastructure to enable phones to be put into those remote areas. And then cell phones come in and then they leapfrog that technology. And so they become adopters of a new technology quicker than everyone else because they need access to that service. Mm -hmm. Same thing can happen here, right? So new services that enable people who don't have access to banking and financial infrastructure leapfrog into crypto early because they need access to those things to make their lives better to give them access to the whole world mm-hmm. or having banking services and infrastructure to like uh, to move money around better than how they used to be able to do it. And then, so it's like
4: trying to proactively and, design those conversations is kind of moot. Those conversations start to 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 come along because of need.
3: Yeah, it's definitely like, a need. Pe- but like, what I think was important is that like that's kind of the base layer of that stuff, right? I put a, I put an article in the Slack I think it was yesterday that that was an attempt to describe what a modern web app looks like the web app stack of like all the things necessary, all the technologies that are going into building a web app and how much work that is. And, and then, but like people who are not building web apps don't understand or see any of that stuff, but they're definitely consuming the end product Mm -hmm. of what that thing is. And so that's like, years and years and years and years of figuring out how to provide services on the internet. And when it comes to blockchain or Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever, we're nowhere near that level of sophistication to provide services to people that don't care about how things are built, which means that like, we can't give them the end user experience that they're accustomed to using this technology yet. And so mm-hmm. what we can offer is somewhat of a cumbersome ideologically driven end user experience. So they need to be motivated to use it. And it's going to be a while until we can build the tech up and have enough people in Mm -hmm. here to build really, really, really good experiences using new technology before it really takes off because people aren't willing to go out of their way to learn something new unless the need is overwhelming.
4: Yeah, unless the need and the benefit well, the, the benefit is getting need fulfilled.
3: Which is why most people so, who are in the space are just investors. They see, the, they see the potential of that in the future, of what this stuff can be, and they're trying to find the products and companies that can possibly provide that end user experience in the future or will be a part of it or be like the foundational part of it. And they invest in them to try and enable them to build it as fast as possible so that comes to light and they profit from it. Mm-hmm. But regular folk general purpose people if you will gpps
4: GPPs, man out there doing general purpose shit
3: what's what's the like why should they join this cause or this 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 movement in in decentralized digital exchange they have no reason to they don't even want to hear about it what's it going to do for them that they can't do already If they're not in like some remote area that doesn't have access to banking infrastructure or like they don't live in a third world country where their money is going to shit like Venezuela, those people should care. It makes a difference in their lives.
4: Yeah. Your average everyday Westerner, it's not going to help you at all, except for maybe you can be anonymous when you buy stuff online. Right. That's a, that's a plus like your financial, your purchases aren't attached to your, your personal identity
3: that's cool depending on which one you use yeah but it's
4: a lot of work for like but it's a lot of work well i can i can give you
3: strong guarantees that that the government is trying to find out how to see that too
4: quickly is is, i mean is there no way or i mean mathematically there's no way around it taking a long time to find to if i make a bitcoin purchase it's going to take them a while to find me
3: it depends it depends on how you use your bitcoin relative to the wallet. So like say, for instance, you use, the same, use the same address for everything you do and you're also like yeah. willy-nilly about putting that address on the internet, I'm going to be damn sure I know exactly who you are. I can do that without using the services provided to help people do that. That's not possible. Yeah, just
4: look at that address and, and see...
3: Forensics on that type of behavior is not hard. If you're using mixers, always using a new address every time you do a new transaction, you don't put things on the internet that don't belong there, then you're fine. Yeah. Like in terms of like cybersecurity in general... Mm-hmm. general general thing. If you put something on the internet, or like it can be owned, regardless of how f- secure you think you are. If it's on the internet, it's not safe. Period. Yep. There is no amount of things you can do to protect it if someone who is motivated wants it. Period. The only thing that you're hmm. doing by... Adding layers of security is increasing the difficulty the, of the person. Yeah, the time it takes. The time it takes to get there. But if someone is yeah. motivated enough with enough resources, they will get it. So don't put things on the internet you don't want other people to have.
4: Yep. All those dick pics, take them off. Yeah. All of them. And now I know people are getting creative with dick gifts, like they're making gifts out of it and sending it to their loved ones. Why? You, What's wrong with you? Do you want to
3: go ahead and rephrase that and put air quotations around I know people?
4: Yes. I know people sending <laughs> gifts of their dick we around. We know who that person You shouldn't is. be doing that, guys. <laughs> um, I like that you brought up one thing, and that is mixers. We were supposed to talk about it last week. The real Shaq in our Slack asked us to talk about it, I believe. I think it was him. Um and all a mixer does is it sends your bitcoin uh inputs to different outputs like it mixes up the addr- addresses so it it, it kind of obfuscates where the money is and where it's going so if you've ever looked at a coinbase transaction on the blockchain they use a mixer um every single input that you have going into whatever address they assign to you then gets instantaneously mixed into other addresses um now how they like how they organize that and keep that in a database somewhere and query all that, that's definitely homegrown Coinbase magic. That's probably why they're so trusted as well. But I do know that, um, you know, we like everything, everything Corey said we do because we run a pretty forward facing like business and like we keep, we use the same addresses uh, people can find us. And um, so when people do send us money, I look at the blockchain and it gets divvied into three outputs every single time. So why Coinbase is mixing it? Maybe it's probably for our protection um, and theirs. It's probably for our protection and their protection, but essentially Shaq, a mixer um, mixes the addresses. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit more safe. It's It secures you from that person that's motivated because what if they, do hunk they do hone in on one of those addresses but you just mix those inputs into three addresses so it's That's like not,
3: oh not necessarily right it's like amusing use mixing services you're 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 basically throwing say you have uh money associated with a given address that came from uh, mm-hmm. a source that you don't want un- people to understand where it came from like you don't want to have say you you can claim ownership to those coins so you use a mixing service by putting your coins into, into this, we'll call it a mixing service. And then what that system does is it takes coins from all kinds of different people and then just shuffles them around many, 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 many times and then gives you back the same amount you gave. So you, have, you don't have a traceability of where it came from to the coins you have now, or at least mm-hmm. in terms of a reasonable doubt. So there's no way that someone can prove that the coins that you're using came from a given source. It just looks like it came from this weird black box of jumbled data science, difficult problem. Like when you try and track that on the blockchain, it becomes really, really difficult for computers to figure out where those coins came from. So it's called taint, mm-hmm. right? It's you, uh, if, you, if, mm-hmm. if coins are tainted, you can track the taintedness of those coins by looking at where they travel. If you go through a mixer, you then lose that trackability so that when you get, Coins out of a mixer, there is no source anymore, so no one can indict you or claim that you use them or got them from a given place Mm -hmm. beyond a reasonable doubt. And there's 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 a there's a a different level of efficacy to these things too. Some of them don't do a very good job, so that you can actually track them through the mixing service. Some of them do a really good job, so you can't. I don't know which ones off the top of my head, but that's basically what. Monero does by default every time you send a transaction. Every block, all of them, all of them get mixed okay. on top of ring signatures. So not only do, if we do ring signatures, a, they mix everything too.
4: What if we could paint a picture? I think we could paint a picture. All right, you've got a Tupperware bin, and everybody's getting paid out in red Legos, and you got like 10 different people that need to pay out 10 other different people and they're putting different amounts of red Legos in the in the box, and they don't mark them. And so you've got 10 people's worth of inputs of red Legos, and then you close the Tupperware bin, and you shake the shit out of it. And then you start paying out the 10 outputs, the proper amount of red Legos they're supposed to get. Nailed so it. So there's no way to know. That's what you just said. You said you mix it up. There's a bunch of inputs no, so they get in.
3: You nailed it. That's it.
4: Oh, okay. So that's what, that's, the, that's, that's what a mixer does, Shaq. Um, and then the other outputs, 10 people get the amount of red Legos they're supposed to get. But that's what it does.
3: It increases in anonymity because Bitcoin is yeah. pseudonymous. So if you have a certain amount of Bitcoin that's associated with your name and you'd like to remove that to a new address yeah. so that people can't track a new address, use a mixing service. I mean, it's it's, it's 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 the equivalent in the f- traditional financial systems of moving funds through banks located in countries with strict bank secrecy laws.
4: Yep. So you can deduce that down. Either you're hypersensitive about your privacy on the internet or you're doing dirt. Oh, yeah. snaps.
3: More often than not, that's the case.
4: <laughs> yeah. So that's what a it mixture is for. Um, but the beauty about it is that no one in a court of law can ever claim either. So if you are doing it for privacy, that's all you need to say ever. Say I don't. there's no reason for anyone to know my transactional life or whatever you want to say. That's it's for my own privacy. Um, so that's a mixer. And I think that's it. We're running out of time. This one's getting pretty long.
3: Yep. All right.
4: So wrap uh we'll wrap this shit up. So um let's see here. Uh let's see, let's pump some stuff. If you go to the Bitcoin network or the Bitcoin podcast.com or the blockchain com or the Ethereum podcast.com, you will come to us, uh, check out our things. Um, we have a catalog of shows that don't show up in your, in your podcast app that you may want to check out some of our previous guests. Um, we also have our Slack join our Slack. um, At least one to two times a week, we get in a pretty deep conversation or a lengthy conversation. We're not trying to get you in trouble at work, but it's probably more fun than work. So pop in and hang out. Um, Themedium.com slash thebitcoinpodcast. That is our our blog, per se, or our publication via Medium. Um, We have a a week to be in crypto going out. Jonathan Thompson, thank you for that. Right. Giving you guys written content with a toddler and still the man is a genius. He's not a genius. Well, he could be. A, he's not a genius, but he's awesome. Um, if you want to contribute to the medium, uh, join the Slack and DM me. Slide into my DMs and we'll talk about what you want to contribute to the greater crypto community. Um, what else do we do? We're on all the podcasting apps. We're on Spotify. Um, Tell your friends about us. Um, If you want to be on ramped, hit me up in the Slack and we can get you on ramping with D. And I'll I'll talk you through Bitcoin first and then we'll work our way towards blockchain. Um,
3: What about you, Corey? You got anything you want to pump? Pump, 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 pump it up. If you're looking for a more technical dive into certain things, go check Hashing It Out. It's one of the sub shows. You can go to hashingitout.stream, take you to the website.
4: Oh, yeah. I didn't even plug all of the shows. Um, so, Corey has a very technically centric show. Um, that's it. Like, if you want to learn, like, if you got a notebook in time, sit down. You're going to learn some shit. And um, the best way to benefit from this ecosystem is not just is not holding and it's definitely not trading it is learning this technology because then you have so many legs uh, in front of everyone else in the world um so check out hashing it out um, you can also check out reese landmarks podcast a blockchain humanist future uh, where he does like relatively deep dives into projects that benefit humanity um, as we move into this decentralized world um, you can check out DJ NES's podcast. If you just want to hear some chill music while you're trading or researching crypto or falling into that rabbit hole, uh, check out Crypto Until Infinity. And that is DJ NES, uh, self-made DJ, um, freaking Grammy-nominated self-made DJ making music and on the network. Um Shit, what else do we do? Just the headers with me and Jesse Broke, where we try to give you the headlines, but most likely go on extremely long tangents, either crypto-related or
3: whatever the hell we fall into. Y'all have the attention span of of Goldfish.
4: Oh, man, it's great. I love that show. It's a release. Um, What else do we... We got lots of shows there. I think that's all of them. Hop Um, on.
3: Come listen. Give us feedback. We'll do that
4: subscribe to the network listen at your leisure more content that you can you can buy down into oh t- also announcements uh we have uh a new ico projects that or just new projects in the space period they want to tell you about themselves they come on announcements and do their best job some of them are great some of them are not so great but it's up to you have a listen um that's it guys that was a lot of plugging of our stuff uh so i'm i don't want to plug anymore that's it shout out to carrie hilson you the best um that's all i got so um play yeah play the outro
2: from like a make America great again it was
4: like just from innocence like she doesn't know I thought you were in your house yelling like
3: black yeah. people suck yeah. never be black well, she follows it <laughs> up with don't just give more fun color like blue then it's like okay this is clear yeah.
2: she was like if you could choose any color to be why would you choose black when you could be blue yeah <laughs> It's kid logic it's, this is quite work that way Ophelia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, all right. right, we're recording. I Enten. guess she would love to see the Blue Man group. She would lose her fucking mind. <laughs>
4: <laughs> would, you should
2: take yeah, her to the Blue I Man told group. You just, yeah.
4: Her brain would explode. Yeah. Like, and then she'll come back like, D, you could totally be blue. Look I'll how yeah. fun see, they are.
3: Look how fun they are. I knew it. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Intim.